Hey, it's Brian Zanata here with another episode of the Purposeful Parenting Period Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Kirk Berry. He's an author, educator, former college football player at the State University of New York at Buffalo. And today, he really tries to push the youth through his just-do-it attitude and power philosophy. And power stands for positivity, opportunity, wisdom, encouragement, and responsibility. He also has a book called Five Powerful Tips for Motivating Youth. And he's a purposeful parent to two children who are nine years old and five months old. So thanks so much, Kirk, for being on today. No problem. Thanks for having me, Brian. Really excited about this opportunity. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, So let's just jump right into the question. So what would you say, Kirk, is your general philosophy as a parent? And how would this connect to your philosophy as a person? You got, you got, you got right to it. So uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, a very good question. My general parenting philosophy is to uh, make sure my kids uh, feel loved, see love, and also make sure that uh, I give them the time so that they know they're loved because that's how kids spell love T I M E. So, uh, I want, I want my kids to feel a positive aura for me. That's, that's where my general parenting philosophy comes and how does it connect, uh, to my philosophy as a person? I'm someone who is always, and they say, you can't say always, but for the most part, uh, authentic, authentically positive. So when you, you know, people make fun of me all the time because whenever you ask me how I'm doing, I'm having a good day. I'm having a great day. Like I'm doing feeling great. And if my feet touch the ground, then it's a good day. So that type of energy makes it easy for my general parenting philosophy for my kids to feel love, see love and spend the type of time with them uh, so that they know they're loved. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and yeah, like the, the one thing that you said that stood out to me was um, you're, you're pretty much just like thankful for the day. So it's like whatever is going on, you're definitely still able to remain positive and just try to get to a better place, perhaps, you know, if you are going through something too. Um, and yeah, the point you made is great. Uh, feel love, see love, and know love. With all that in mind, what, what would you say if you can pinpoint like one, two, or three character traits that you would want your child to have? What do you think that they would be? Mm, character traits. All right, so I'm going to think about that, and I'm going to touch on a little bit of what you just said. So we have bad moments in a day, and the reason why I'm able to remain positive is because I understand that that's exactly what it is. It's a bad moment or bad situation. So uh, it's not a front or an act that I'm having a great day like I truly am. And so uh, I want that to pass on to my kids, that type of positivity and that type of energy. So when we talk about traits um, that I want to instill in my kids, the first one is self-confidence. I believe self-confidence is extremely important. As a youth empowerment educator, I know a lot of our youth, a lot of adults are lacking self-confidence. So if I had to give my child a trait, the first one would be self-confidence. The second one would be a trait. uh, I think this is a character trait. I might be wrong, though. But uh, being respectful, like always being respectful uh, to others, 
being respectful of themselves and also uh, just being respectful of their elders, people who are, are older, their senior. Uh, being respectful has taken me a long way. It opens up a lot of doors and people recognize a respectful child and young adult or person. The third one would be uh, honesty uh, with others and honesty with themselves. I want to teach both my children, uh, my daughter who is nine and my son who will be probably around, uh, will be five months soon, excuse me, not probably, he'll be five months soon. I want them to be honest with themselves and with others. Honesty is a key trait and it's also something that others recognize when you're genuinely honest. Great, great, awesome. Yeah, so I think those those are really key, for sure. That that self confidence piece. Um, is, is there say 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 there's a child out there who um, is maybe like five or six years old, and maybe they don't really have that self confidence, and maybe the parents are trying to figure out um, how can I get my child to just be more self confident to to believe in themselves more. Um, where do you think that that parent should uh, start with? We're trying to get that child to get more confidence. Uh, honest praise is one way to give your child self uh, self confidence. So when I say honest praise, it's not praising everything your child does, even if they're not good at it. Because at that age of five or six, they may not know that they're not good at it. But once they become eight and nine, like my daughter will honestly be like, "Dad, you know I'm not good at that." Or, you know, I don't do that well. So it has to be honest praise gives them self-confidence. And also honest praise when they realize like, wow, I just made that, you know, that uh, uh, if they were playing with like a toolkit or something where they made an arts and craft. And if you give honest praise and you really like it, you put it in your office, the honest praise in the area where they're skilled will encourage them to keep going in that type of area or direction. So it will help build up their self-confidence to do the things they enjoy, even if it's just that time period, do the things they enjoy, but try other things to see if they're good at those things as well. The best thing I would encourage a parent to do is give that honest praise. Great, great. Yeah, I think that that's such a great point. Um, I, I think a lot of parents, they might have, in my opinion, it's a misguided idea of just praising everything your child does. Um, but then I think from that point, then a child might be kind of confused on the things that they actually do well. Um, so you, you definitely want to praise the things that they're doing well. And then from there, it's kind of, as you were saying, I think from there, then you would build like a, a real a real self-confidence in the child. Um, and they won't have maybe a, a fake sort of confidence from feeling like they're good at some when they're really not. Um, so I, I think you definitely have to combine confidence with with the humility to improve at something, too. Um, Absolutely. Definitely the humility to improve. One other thing that I wanted to ask too, um, do, do you think that a child can maybe get self-confidence through, through like, through going through something hard or, 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 or failing at something or um, some adverse sort of situation? Do you think a child can get some self-confidence from that too? You absolutely can. You absolutely can as a young person, a young child, even if it's not immediate, over time, it can help build up your self-confidence because you will learn from that situation at some point, or we hope that you will learn. And by learning from it, you know how to avoid it or make better decisions for the future. And by learning, you now have more confidence that you know how to handle that situation 
if it ever came again or something similar to it. The, the point you made on being honest with yourself and honest with other people too. One thing that I wanted to ask you, um, it's, it's somewhat of a deep question, but did you believe that one of those comes first? Meaning like, should a child first try to be honest with themselves and then they can try to try to develop that honesty with other people? Or do you think that they both can occur at the same time? Uh, being honest with yourself should come first. If, if you are honest with yourself, it will be easier or should be easier to be honest with others. And when you're not honest with yourself, but you try to be honest to others, you might actually be coming a people pleaser. So yeah. you, you think you're doing what others want you to do and you're not doing what you know is true to your heart. So it's really important that the first step is we teach our, our youth and our children to be honest with themselves. That's kind of like maybe if someone is kind of like too nice to someone, but or, or maybe they're they're doing something for someone as as you were saying they're they're a people pleaser, but but deep down they they might not really see the value in it, or they might want to be doing something else. Um, you definitely have to have the right combination there. And it, is is there any ways that you specifically try to to instill um like a a truth sort of culture with your children, or just get them to develop that? honesty piece is, is there anything that you do specifically for that yes uh my daughter's always afraid that she's going to hurt my feelings you know so one of the ways that i help her with being honest is i i always tell her that she can talk to her dad no matter what and i promise her whatever she shares with me it won't affect our relationship right. and a lot of times she'll say like i didn't eat all my lunch today right all my snacks but i didn't eat the real food so she thinks that's going to hurt my feelings. And I'm like, no, that's not going to hurt my feelings. You just won't get any dessert tonight, which is going to hurt your feelings. Yeah. Right. But um, uh, encouraging them and our children, encouraging our children to always be able to communicate with us. And we as adults have to have the appropriate response. And sometimes it's hard depending on what we share, but that appropriate response will either encourage them to continue being honest uh, with us and themselves or may cause them to revert from communicating effectively with us in the future. Mm, great, great. Yeah, I think that that's, that's key. Um, you know, you, you telling your daughter, you can always come to me for anything if you need to share your feelings or about share about something that happened. I think that that's definitely key. Um, and at, as you were saying, too, you can still have a consequence for things, too. You know, the fact that a child might come to you and share what's going on, um, it, it doesn't mean that you have to be a weak parent or or not have consequences for things that they do, too. That That's a great point, too. Yeah. And real quick, I'd just like to say another way to help our kids be honest with themselves is we have to accept their honesty. And so one example I have is uh, for any parent out there, if your children ever don't want to go to a family member, um, you know, because uh, family members like to make kids laugh and do weird things like tickle them. And so sometimes when you tickle kids, it's in an inappropriate space because it's on their stomach or on their upper chest. Or, you know, if, you're, if your child doesn't want to hug someone, uh, that's the child being honest with themselves yeah. that I'm not comfortable with that person. And as a parent, if you want your kids to continue to be honest with themselves, you shouldn't say, oh, go over there and give Brian or Kirk a hug. They're not going to harm you. 
If your yeah. kid doesn't want to do it, that's the beginning of them being mm. honest with themselves. And as parents, we need to affirm that in a respectful way for the child so that they don't have to feel awkward around that person. Or, and in addition to that, also respectful for the, for the adult who our child's not feeling comfortable around, you know, so being honest with themselves can start at a really early age. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that, that that's tied to what you were saying earlier too, with um, being respectful to yourself too. Um, I, I think that definitely like being honest with yourself and being respectful to yourself, they definitely go hand in hand. Um, and, and I think that, that, that that's a major point for a lot of what we're talking about too, is a lot of the character traits, they, they flow together. So it's like when you're self-confidence, then, then usually you're, you're pretty honest with yourself, know what you're good at, what your strengths are, and you're, you're able to speak up for yourself. Um, so I think a lot of those are connected there. And um, yeah, and the, the uh, thing that you said that I love is you were saying it's really good just, just to start at an early age with these things too. So of course your daughter's nine, your son is four or five months old. So um, I definitely don't want parents to think like they have to wait till a child is 12, 13, 14 to, to develop that honesty with themselves and that respect too. And one thing that, that I wanted to ask you, say, say a child is maybe eight or nine and, and they're lying to, to their friends about something or they're lying to the teacher about something and, and, and then the, the parent sees the child lie. Um, do, do you think that the parents should, should try to address it in that moment or should they, should they wait to address it? Or how do you think that a parent should, should just address any time that a child lies? You know, whether a parent uh, chooses to address it in that moment or at a later time, I believe asking the child questions about why and what they hope comes from those lies to their friends, what they uh, think will come out of it and mm-hmm. actually walk the young person, that child through the whole process of their lie. Because mm-hmm. I don't think when any of us lie, uh, adults included, we think about the aftermath of what happens eventually. No matter what you lie about, there's going to be something that you have to keep the lie going, right? And if you don't keep it going, then that means most likely everyone found out that you are a liar. You're telling mm-hmm. a fib. So whether a parent chooses to immediately or later on, uh, punishment won't be enough. It actually has to be helping the young person see this is what this is where your lie is going to lead you, you know. And if we can do that, depending like so, you said eight or nine years old, they may not understand where you're taking them when you have this conversation. So you'll have to do it in examples that relate to them, that are important to them, and you have to also talk about, you know, what if someone lied to them? What would that do? So it has to be: How does it make people feel? How would it make you feel? They need to understand why it's not appropriate. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely love what you said. You were just talking about going through the process of, of this lie. And um, the uh, thing that you were alluding to, too, is when you lie, then you have to remember what you lied about, too. Um, so like, what, one thing that I always keep in mind, um, I, I definitely try to tell the truth with everything. Because for me, I feel like if I lie about one thing, then I have to remember who I told that lie to. Whereas if I just tell the truth, then I don't have to think about what I told someone, you know? So I think that's definitely a great point there. 
Um, there was something um, that I wanted to ask. So like the self-confidence piece, um, I, I think a lot of children, they might think that if they're, if they're feeling nervous about something, like say your child is eight, nine years old, they have a class presentation the following day and, and they're really nervous. They don't really like the public speak. Um, ha- how do you think that you'll be able to frame that feeling of nerves into, into them being self-confident or, or at least just getting to a better state? Got it. So the, the nervousness is natural. So I'm going to be okay with that. It's after my child is done, that's the time to build up self-confidence. Because if they got through the presentation, then they were you're able to do it. You didn't yeah. die, right? Like you didn't pass out. You're not at the hospital. Nervousness is okay. It's normal and natural. But to build up their self-confidence, like, look, you achieved something that you thought would be hard. Now, if you practice or work at it, you'll get better. If you wait until you have to do a presentation again before you work on it, you're going to be nervous at that one. Uh, you'll know that you can do it, but if you the, to know you're going to do it at your best ability means you need to work at it in between when it's time to do it again. So my seven, eight, or nine-year-old, right, your, your first or second grader, they may or may not get that. But the whole point is when you talk about self-confidence, we can build it up once they complete something they thought they weren't able mm. to do. It's kind of like if you ever took your child ziplining for the first time, they were scared. But once they went across one part of the course, after that, they had confidence to do the rest because they didn't die. It sounds very drastic, but that's what kids feel when they have high anxiety and they're afraid to do something or nervous. They feel like this is going to be the end. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so afraid. It it makes them cry. But once they get over getting it done, they're fearless. Awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely love that mentality. Um, where it's kind of like making sure a child understands that like their experience is is the the best teacher pretty much. So it's like that that first time it's it's good like for them to go through some to get those nerves out of the way. And and of course they'll like like every person will will continue to have nerves and be nervous about things. But um it, it is possible I think to be nervous about some and and still be self-confident. So, so I think that that's a really important thing for a child to understand. And for you, do, do you think that a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that we're talking about, do you think that just us as parents, we, we have to model these things for our children too. We have to model being self-confident. We have to model the honesty piece. Do you think that that's a crucial piece too? I think it is a crucial piece, but it's also uh, very important to make sure make sure that your children see it in other places. So it is good for us to model it, but also they're not going to be around us 24 seven. Yeah. It's very important that we make sure wherever they go, they see it uh, on display elsewhere. So they see confident Mm -hmm. people. They see people being respectful to one another and they see people being honest with themselves and being honest to others. So that they understand it's not just in the bubble of their parents and their household, but it's, these are traits that people do uh, as, you know, well-rounded human beings. Yeah. I think that that point ties in the idea. Of course, parents are, are the biggest influence on a child's life, but there are so many other factors. Every single person in a child's life definitely plays a factor. 
Um, so an environment is definitely big. So tied to that, so say there's a child who is maybe around a lot of negative peers um, and their peers maybe aren't respectful or they're not honest. Um, how do you think that a parent should address that? Um, so say like a parent in, in like that moment can't get them out of that environment because they have to, to, to go to school and around those peers. Do you think that, that there's a way for a parent to specifically frame that conversation towards the peers and that sort of thing? It goes right back to asking questions that make them think the whole thing through. So if they have peers, if they have friends who um, are not the most respectful or obedient to their teachers, their elders and adults around them, uh, having that conversation with your child about um, when that person behaves that way, what happens and how could that affect you uh, as their peer or as their friend? Have you thought about that? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And it's, and, and it's all got to be age appropriate. It's going to be a different conversation with your teenagers, you know, or your young adult children, because those peers that do uh, things that are not appropriate, the what they do ranges from a nine-year-old to a 19-year-old, right? So it's just yeah. A 19-year-old driving without a license, that conversation that I'm going to have with my teenage child is going to be different than like a nine-year-old that just has bad language, right? Like the repercussions of what happens will be different in your conversations. So whenever I say we start with questions and walk our young people through their decision-making, it always has to be age-appropriate. So I want to make sure I, I share that. Yeah, awesome. And I definitely think that's something that a, a child can take with them when they get older too. Cause I, I think for, for everyone, even, even us as adults, um, it's definitely important to not, to resist the negative people that you, that you are around or that you come across, or maybe even just on social media too. I'm um, coming across people that aren't respectful or, or are lying or just like some sort of negative factor there. I know that, that your child is just nine now. So I'm not sure if, if, you know, if she is on social media or she has, access to that stuff but um if she doesn't say but when the time comes maybe when she's 13 14 plus and maybe she's on social media or or she sees things online um how do you think that you're gonna address that um would you try to be more proactive with it and 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 address it maybe before she sees stuff on social media or would you more so address it in the moment so my daughter is currently on tiktok that's the only social media that she is on right now. And uh, she asked to be on Twitter and Facebook and all those things. Uh, but her mother and I were in a co-parenting relationship. So uh, we have not given her access to those uh, other social media outlets. But uh, the slight pause when you ask that question is because I went to go get a resource uh, that I just purchased. Uh, there's an author named Stephanie Humphrey, uh, hopefully she gets to hear this because uh, she wrote a book called Don't Let Your Digital Footprint Kick You in the Butt. Hmm. That's by Stephanie Humphrey. And the book is titled Don't Let Your Digital Footprint Kick You in the Butt. And the reason why I'm sharing that with parents is because I purchased it and it's trying to help parents have a conversation with their children about how when you're on social media, not only does Uh, the information you put out there never go away, but it could kick you in your butt. And it's back to that 
you know, asking your children questions, like if you post this or if you do that, asking the questions that help them get all the way through to how could this affect you later on in life? And our young people just aren't thinking about that. So when you ask the question, Brian, when my daughter is active, I want her to, uh, I want to take a proactive approach of getting her to think about uh, what she's doing before she does it. Awesome. That, that's so important. Um, and, you know, now we're in 2021. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how, how social media evolves over the next, you know, five to 10 years. Um, you know, of course, with, with my child being two years old, um, he's, you know, of course, not on social media now. But when the time comes, I, I don't know what uh, social media is, is going to be like then. Yeah, I definitely think now I think there is a lot of temptation to like put up some that isn't respectful or something like that to get views. But um, I think it's really key to to try to avoid putting up that sort of stuff, especially if you're a child. Um, so to wrap up this conversation. So, Kirk, so what's the best way for listeners to connect with you? The best way for listeners to connect with me is visiting the website, Kirk, K-I-R-K, Berry, B-E-R-R-Y, dot com. That's KirkBerry.com. You can email me. I'll be sure to respond. Uh, you can reach out to me and see any of the things that I have going on as far as activities, working with youth or uh, upcoming speaking opportunities at schools. And uh, you can just reach out to me on social media. Also, you can reach out on Instagram at KB underscore power is my IG and that's KB underscore power. And also uh, my YouTube page as well. You can see my videos and the work that I'm doing. And my YouTube is uh, Mr. KB power. So that's Mr. KB Power. Uh, no dot, no spaces. It's just Mr. KB Power. Everything that I do is all about power, positivity, opportunity, wisdom, encouragement, and respect, right? And so when I share my messages, I wanted to have that power. It's an acronym. So KB underscore power is my Instagram, and my YouTube is Mr. KB Power. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, well, one thing that I wanted to ask um, before we're up with this show, um, I know you have a book, Five Powerful Tips from, for Motivating Youth. Um, so if, if you can quickly go over maybe one or two ways for a parent to motivate their own child. Um, and to, to frame this, say maybe a child is 9, 10, 11 years old, they're in school, and they don't really feel the motivation to to, to study for an, for an assignment or to do a project or something. Um, and, and they don't really see the value of, of doing that particular assignment. Um, what do you think like the number one or number two or the number one way or two different ways to motivate that child is? It's going to, it's going to be the same answer I provided already. My first tip and five powerful tips for motivating youth is to begin with dialogue. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I believe that you know what dialogue is, but when it comes to our young people, most of the time we're having a monologue. Yeah. We're having a monologue and we're telling our young people what to do. And when you tell someone what to do, that's not motivating. So if we have a child who is not interested in their schoolwork, let's begin, like I said earlier, by asking them questions that walk them through where they hope to be 
even not through life, but even in a year from now. Because if you don't do your schoolwork, you're going to have to go to summer school. And next summer, I was planning a vacation for us to go somewhere. But you won't be able to go because you didn't feel like studying right now. Is that what you want to do? You want to miss Disney World? Right. Like, so we have to correlate or tie things to for every action. There's going to be a reaction, but they're not thinking about that. When we start talking about a job, if your eight or nine year old is only eight or nine, they know that they're not working anytime soon. So that doesn't relate. So in your dialogue, in your conversation, you want to start by asking questions that make them think about things that matter now. Like if it's the summertime and my kid doesn't want to read any books over the summer, I could promise you whatever you thought you were going to get for Christmas, you probably won't get it because your actions right now, there's not going to be a reward. And it's like, oh, I need to start reading then because I want something for Christmas that now now became a motivator to read. Awesome, man. So begin with the dialogue. That's my first tip always when we want to encourage somebody when we want to motivate someone we have to first get to know what their interests are or why they feel the way that they feel and from there we can help them uh think about what their choices are to act on what uh is important to them great yeah and well one thing that i love that you said is it's just like bringing it back to the moment or to the short term um so of course if your child is 10 it it probably won't work to be like, you need to do your schoolwork so you can go to college, you can get a great job. Because that's, because, you know, a 10-year-old is not really in that frame of mind. But if you can always just tie it back to the present moment of how it would affect them the, the next day, the next year, um, that would be way more impactful, I believe. Exactly. Yep. I definitely enjoyed this conversation. I think a lot of what you're talking about, too, um, I think kids nowadays, I think they really, they really need to be taught these things by their parents. Um, you know, self-respect, being honest with yourself. I think th- those are so key to to just being the best version of yourself when you when you get older, for sure. And, and that's all I want my children to be, the best version of themselves. So if we right. can have those pillars, those three things that I talked about, it can help them do that. Awesome. And then this brings me to my final question. Um, what would you say your mission statement is as a parent, Kirk? Love my children the same but treat them different. I have two children and, you know, I may have more, I may not, but uh, I want to love my children the same, but understand that they're two different, unique individuals. So I have to treat them differently based on the way their individuality is set up. So that's my mission statement. Love them the same, but treat them differently. Awesome, Kirk. Well, um, I want to thank you for being a guest today. I I really hope the listeners learned a lot about self-respect and just have gained different perspectives. Um, and, I, I, and, and I love that you ended on that where, you know, all the stuff that you're talking about, um, you can definitely apply it to your parenting. But at the end of the day, like the dialogue that you have with your child, um, something will come out of that that is unique to that child. Um, so you really have to be conscious of, of all of that too. So, well, once again, thanks so much, Kirk, for being Thanks on. for having me, Brian. I appreciate it.